What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Curry.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Ride Share Rodeo Podcast. Um, I want to thank you all for everything. I don't know if uh, on any socials you saw that I posted. Um, we were just creeping up on 70,000 listens in uh, 17 months, and uh, we crossed over it yesterday. So coming up on the on the 100,000, I guess... Uh, not, I, I would have to do some kind of trajectory to see with our growth and everything when, when expected that could be, because um, it you can't exactly divide it by the months we've already been doing this. Because in the beginning it was a lot slower than it is now, and uh, a lot more people know about us and listen to us now. And uh, yeah, so a um, few things today. Uh, I recorded a piece with Ron. Um, on the new tax, uh, law, the new tax rules that are going to be in place for gig economy workers and anybody making over six hundred dollars on anything, uh, going forward, starting but it's starting in twenty twenty two, and it'll be filed in twenty twenty three. So, um, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna try and play some of the piece today, if not all of it. Uh, there's a couple other things I want to hit on too, um, but I might play all in a bonus. I don't. I don't know because it went about an hour. It's a great piece if you want to know about some of the tax stuff. But maybe I'll just play some of the highlights today, and then I'll do a bonus episode um, for those that that want to know more. Uh, it is something that you should become familiar with, though, and become ready for, because starting in 2022, you might want to track your earnings a lot different, because as Ron will point out, and I point out in the conversation, is that the people who like, you know, people who sell on Etsy, or people who sell on eBay, or rideshare drivers, there's going to be a new way you're receiving your um, 1099Ks and your NECs. So it's going to, it's, if, let's say you did you know, in years past, you did $19,000 on rideshare, you did 19000 on uh, eBay, and 19000 on Etsy. Those were still to be claimed. However, it was under the $20,000 marker. And that meant that you weren't being sent a 1099K. But now they want to do it on everything over $600. So, even the littlest cash transactions will I mean anything over six hundred dollars. You're gonna have to keep paying attention to it at this point. It's a, it's gonna become a very crazy system. Um I was reading some of the reasons they said uh of why they needed to do this. Um and it was like 
We want to keep in better touch with those who file quarterly. We want to help those who file quarterly. They didn't really hit on what it is. It's that they want to start cracking down on they don't trust anybody because they think people aren't paying taxes on things. So um, the real big joke to me in that is that you're looking at gig workers who are struggling financially to get by. And let's say that a couple don't pay their full taxes, okay? A lot of these people probably get very confused. And honestly, I mean, I'm sure there are some, okay? But there's a lot who honestly probably get very confused and think they did it right in the end. Whereas the people at the in the top 1% don't pay any taxes because they find loopholes on everything. So why why impose all this, you know, if I I heard a joke on the radio over the weekend that was saying like, you know, if 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 I sell my couch for 600 bucks, this was a radio DJ here in Denver. You know, if I sell my cu- couch for 600 bucks, I what I got to declare that? You know, it was like, you know, it, it's it's like a garage sale needs to be declared. It's and I I get it. I mean, you know, sure there's sales, but come on guys. I mean, I don't know. It, it 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 those kind of things make me so angry because they're probably needed, but why not go? F- why not? I mean, I know why, <laughs> and I think a lot of us know why: power and corruption. But why not go after the big fish first? Why come after the little fish when they can't? It's it's not like the the drug dealing ring where you you catch the little fish and they can lead you to the big ones. The little fish in this case scenario can't lead you to the big ones. They have nothing to do with the top 1%. So there's nobody that can help you there. So why not go after that 1% first, get real money, and then re- start reforming some some of the lower lower rules. You know, I mean this I don't know. It's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that after whatever, you know, 20 it was at 20,000 for however many years i mean a lot so it's been at 20,000 has been the number and then they decide to change it okay so did you change it to 19,000 18,000 17,000 15,000 no you went from 20,000 to $600 seriously anyway that's why it's important people um you know, I'm sure that some people um, do some sales, and even some Etsy people are probably very confused because it's crafts, and they they're still supposed to pay their tax and whatnot, of course. But it's it's just going to become a nightmarish mess, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, starting in the new year, you need to keep records on all of this. So if you do a lot of things or multiple platforms or whatnot. You're going to need to know about this stuff. So I'll try and get the whole episode into this episode. Um, It just might run a little long. And then sometime in the near future, I I need to play this. I I ran across a... uh, I had Tremaine Hayhoe on on the podcast, and it was like our 15th episode of the podcast in 2020. And we were talking about uh, his movie, The Rideshare Movie you can see for free on Amazon Prime, and you can see for free in 4K on YouTube. Um, Tremaine was the writer, director, and producer for the movie, 
Hey-Ho Studios in Los Angeles, and uh, we had him on. And then I was on a podcast of him, his that we were trying to co-broadcast, and instead we were just going to, he was going to do it, and then I was going to re-release it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna find a time to replay that soon because it's. Uh, I was just listening to. It. I ran across it in some old files, and it wasn't labeled right. So I listened to it, and I saw. Oh, this is that missing file. So I want to play it for you guys because I started listening, and it's pretty interesting. Um, we run through a lot of the safety features of um, of the rideshare companies at the time, but um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's let's see where we can jump in today. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before I jump in today, <laughs> I almost forgot. Curry people. Curry, curry, curry. Curry.com. Um, use, if you have not signed up to drive for curry, do so. Uh, you can find the link in the show notes for my referral to get you signed up. And... Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of car you're driving, people. You know, sign up whatever you got. Um, the bigger the car, the bigger the jobs. Um, the more jobs you'll probably be offered. So, however, um, I know people in small vehicles who have gotten the job now too. So that was one thing. You know, when I first started with with Curry as my sponsor, I was just learning about them. Um, going through the ropes. Now I've I've talked to people. I've talked to people who have done um, routes. I've talked to people who have done hotshot runs. I've done a route twice. Once with um, the person whose route it is here in Denver. Shout out to Nathan. What up, Nathan? And uh, and then the last Friday I did alone and uh, great experience. I mean, it really was. You know, not on a route you're in, not in your car. So it's it's not your gas, not your miles. Uh, you know, you have a certain amount of drops to make. They pay you hourly. However, if you don't reach eight hours, you are still paid for the eight hours, at least here in Denver. I know that could be a city-to-city thing that changes. Um, but uh, yeah, and the overtime is, is great overtime. Um, in, it's in the upper 30s here in Denver. Again, market to market people. So if you if I say a number, by the way, and, and then in your market it's not that yet, it's just a probably a supply demand thing. But that is their that is their goal is to move up. I mean, here in Denver, um, it has already moved up a little bit. Like the daily route pay has gone up a little bit, um, and it's just as they grow your market. So it's like you know you're part you're you're being part of that growing team. And it's not like in an Uber way where they're just trying to oversaturate and make sure everybody's got a ride because this is a whole different game. I mean, it's it's delivering supplies uh, for you know contractors and things of that nature. And uh, again, if you're doing hotshot routes, they load, they unload um, at both places. You're just doing the drive. Um, if you're doing the um, if if you're doing a non-hotshot and you're doing an actual daily route. Your truck is loaded when you get there. Um, everything's there that you need, and you go out and make your deliveries. And yes, you have to unload it, but you have all all the tools you need at your disposal. And uh, it's actually really pretty pretty good gig. So and pays very well. So check it out. Um, sign up. I know that all you gig workers uh, 
like to work all the platforms. We all do. So make sure you sign up for Curry. And uh, you can find the link in the show notes again. But let's see where we're going to start today. I also wanted to really quickly mention the uh, Instacart shoppers that are going on strike on on October 16th. Um, I was listening to Chad's podcast, uh, GigTube. What up, Chad? Shout out. Um, and he was talking about, uh, and I know that Willie Solace, too, who's been on this program, was on Jet on the Go talking about the Instacart thing, too. Um, you know, I've had people ask me my feelings on this, and so I'm just going to put them out there here today. I, I'm i not really going to do a piece on this because um, I think that uh, Chad covered it in one way and Jen covered it in another with Willie. So if you want to listen to um, their two takes on it, which are two totally different ways, I would suggest you just check out both of their videos from last week. Um, Jen on the go is with Willie Solace and uh, GigTube Chad uh, was on Sunday night's news program that he does that uh, was mentioned. So I'll leave it at that. But what I will say is that, you know, this is a, a, a the article is being written by a lot of different places, but Vice is the article he used for reference. And Vice is the article or is the um, publication that wrote our, our article on Para when DoorDash striked in California and DoorDash um, kind of timed that strike around or per, the DoorDash dashers timed that strike around the our Para app being uh, cease and desist from DoorDash. So I was in an article with Vice about this too. And, you know, while we support everybody who does these strikes, um, and in the means of their right to choose how they want to deal with their life and their livelihood and everything. Um, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say the same thing I did before, which is I, I hope all the best for these people that want to strike. Um, I really, truly myself am skeptical of strikes, especially ones that are striking an online platform that you don't work for. I I think that I don't want to say it's a lost cause, but I think that it's beyond a long shot. And that's that's just kind of where I'll put it because I mean really like I don't know what the expectations are. The expectations are that you know everybody really isn't going to use Instacart for a day. Just we've seen this time and time again and even when the when dashers um were saying, you know, hey, Para was shut down. We saw transparency. I, I understood that fight, but it was almost worded in a lot of articles like Para was behind that that strike, and we weren't. Again, we're behind the dashers, and we want if they want to strike, strike. If they don't, don't. My personal opinion, again, my personal opinion is that uh, these strikes against on-demand, uh, app-based gig companies that have no face and have millions of workers isn't going to reach the people on a level that will hurt these companies. And sometimes I even think that the amount of news they get and the type of coverage that these stories get almost backfires and maybe hurts them a little bit. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 
Uh, I, I, again, whatever you, I'm pro gig worker. So I want to be an independent contractor. This is me. But I support all gig workers and what they want. Okay. Um, my best, my best hope is that we all can find a way that we can all get what we want, even if that means different things. Maybe there's different ways of, uh, you know, of of worker classification. Like, you know, maybe you can be in a union, pay your union dues, pay this, that, the other, and you know, and you feel good in the union, and and you get some protections. Maybe I don't want to be in that union. And I would just rather have this be another one of my um, handful of independent contractor gigs, which is how I need it. And I also need the flexibility. Those are two musts for me. So I, I am in a, I'm, I prefer, but I'm also in a forced hand to stay in this type position. So um, for me, that's what works. However, I support all gig workers and I talk to all types all day, um, you know, from, doing stuff with para to my own stuff to whatever I'm doing currently. I'm always talking with drivers, delivery people, um, whoever in the gig economy. And to be honest, these online strikes um, get a little bit worrisome because I almost feel like when nobody shows at these, it's almost a win for the company that you're striking against. Because if you only show... 30, 40 people showing up to strike against this company and the platform can say honestly that it didn't even suffer a hiccup. And if anything, it had more people on the platform that day because they thought people would be striking. So everybody went on um, to earn more money. Uh, But if they don't even have a hiccup and they're not feeling anything nationwide and the press coverage is only like, you know, very few little um, sound bites here and there, and most of them only really in California where AB5 and Prop 22 are. I don't know. I just think that, I don't know. Um, but I, I do understand the passion, though. I understand the passion of the people against these companies. I've had my own uh, moments with them many times. Um in fact, I was just running across something that was, uh, um, well, it was with support, and uh, I don't know. It was it's kind of it's kind of weird because it came up in as I was purging some things yesterday, and I found that other interview. This came up, and it was a support call from four years ago today. So this is the four year anniversary of the support call. I'm going to see if I can't, you know what? I'm going to see if I can't play that right now. But before I do, um, relating back to worker classification, tomorrow I am interviewing Vina Dubal uh, about worker classification, AB5, PRO Act. Um, maybe hopefully talk a little bit of H1234 in Massachusetts and the propositions and things that are fighting these like prop 22 in California or um, the coalition for uh, worker for app-based workers in Boston or in Massachusetts uh, and the amount of money that go behind all these things, but also the legalities and and maybe what kind of middle ground we could reach. So I'm going to do that. And that will be next week's podcast. 
Um, so even though I'm doing the interview tomorrow, it's probably going to be next week's podcast, or it is. But um, yeah, let me let me take another listen at this and see if I can't edit it up enough where it's okay for me to play this because this is a um, a recording with an agent that. Uh, um, well, let me just uh, run and check, and I'll be right back. Okay, I, I've, I'm going to play it because um, I went and edited a few pieces out so that it's, you know, just a random driver that submitted something, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, give a listen. I'm going to come back on the other side. But if you, when you listen to this, realize how I solved two problems for a passenger, for the same passenger, and a problem for myself four years ago today. Boom. Okay, so at 11.34 this morning in Denver time, I had a request to pick up. When I got there, I picked up, and it instantly ended the ride. I traveled zero miles, and it charged the passenger sixteen ninety nine or whatever. It gave me four. There was no miles traveled, so I called in. I was on hold for 15 minutes while the passenger was waiting because she was upset about the charge to her card. And a previous charge had been charged in that area because she got charged $5 for a driver not showing up just prior to me. And she's she's just switching over to Lyft from Uber. Now, I called in and they told me, the person I talked to just a little bit ago told me, just turn off your driver app and take her to where she's going and then call us to have an adjustment made on your pay. So I have taken her to where she's gone. I've waited on hold again, 14 minutes. This whole thing's taken me an hour, and it's just been a waste of time for everybody. You've upset a passenger. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. And yes, it is going to be adjusted right now. We're just going to calculate the time and distance for you. Okay. Now, what? also, she's picking up some food right now where I dropped her off, and I just waited while I was on hold with you guys because this has now been over an hour of my time for whatever it was four dollars but whatever you recalculate it to that's all i made in an hour and ten minutes so i'm hoping that you guys bonus me some money because this has been really not not right the way this was handled yeah for sure okay give me a second here and i i'm hoping that you're going to do something for her because i told she's in a restaurant right now picking up some food and I told her I'd at least go in and let her know what ha- happened because she's she was pretty frustrated. She's like, you know, when I called about the five dollar charge previous to you that just didn't show up, uh, you know, I just didn't get handled correctly. Chat's not doing anything for me. She's frustrated, and so I said I'm gonna wait here and I'm gonna see if they'll if they'll give you some kind of cup or whatever that maybe because now she needs to go back to where she was and we're in South Denver. She was in North. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm hoping that somehow through all this fiasco, you are going to make things right with me, the driver, and also with her, the passenger. Yeah, absolutely. And this was for Kavita? Yes. Yes, okay, just making sure. All right, just a second. Yeah, because the person I spoke to before, I mean, she was nice, but I'm used to calling in and you guys having, like, really good... uh, ways of handling things, and she was like, just go offline and take her where she needs to go. I was like, this just doesn't sound right. It's a, It was a shared ride to begin with. I mean, like, I don't like doing shared rides as it is. 
Put me on hold. That's what I all. Whenever I call into you guys, that's when I get dropped. Um, I've been with you guys for three years, and I've. I. It's more than fifty percent of the time. If I'm put on hold, I'm dropped. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just hold on a second while I do this. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I'm just. I'm, it's dead silent. And, uh, yeah. No worries. I'm not gonna put you on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also just looking at my time now. This is getting, like, super ridiculous at how much money I've lost. Yeah, I'm sorry. I might just take some time to calculate it. I know, but even even once you count, even once you, even if you guys gave me the whole sixteen ninety nine you charged her, it's still a waste of my time at this point. It's been an hour. It's going to be an hour and a half by the time it's done. That's probably the most that we're going to get for it, then. What are you talking about? That's probably as much as we're going to give you. All right, well. <laughs> so I don't know if you. No, I'm still going to do the right thing because it's not it's not right to treat the pa- it's not right to treat the passenger like like she has the. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I want to give her something as well for her troubles. Best for you, yeah. As much as. I can only give you for your time and distance on the ride, unfortunately. You mean where you guys take out all your earnings and just give me my money? We're giving you your money for your time and distance on the ride. <laughs> okay. So I'm not even going to get the $16. What, what am I getting here? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to see right now. Is that I keep having to talk to you, so if you don't mind holding on a second. By the way, at this point, I've been on hold uh, three times, and coming out of this one was the third time, and that third time lasted about eight minutes. So, um, hang on for the ending. Can I go? Can I go tell her what? Because I promised her I would. Can I go tell her what you've done for her? Yeah, I was just gonna refund the ride for her. Okay. So she's getting. Do you see the ride? Do you see a, a right before? Right before I took her ride, do you see another request that she made where she paid money? Because she said she got charged like five dollars for. Nothing. Like the driver was coming and then he didn't show and then she got charged anyway. So she's pretty upset. She's just moving to Colorado. She's kind of switching over slowly from Uber to Lyft. So I'm trying to do everybody here a favor and I just... Okay, yeah, I did see that there was a previous ride that didn't go anywhere, so I'll cancel that one and give her the the fee for that one as well. Okay. Okay. But if you'd like to, that'd be great, too. Okay, thank you. For sure. I'm sorry for your trouble. Okay, thank you. Now, can anybody take a guess on how all of that would have been handled if I wouldn't have made that call? Would I have got my money? Would she have got refunded the full amount? 
And would she have got the cancellation fee from the ride that didn't show? So Uber charging her all kinds or Lyft charging her all kinds of money. Um, Lyft ending up having to give me my full amount while trying to argue that it's only going to be miles and and distance or distance and time. When in fact, um, the what they had told me to do if you didn't pick up on this right away, when they said, "Well, just cancel the trip and take her anyway." Um, excuse me, but aren't I off the platform at that point? Um, I just wanted to play this because I ran across it, and it just reminds me of you know I was looking. I'm like four years ago. Um, a call with Lyft support. I'm like, maybe this is a good one I could play. And it was just, you know, I mean, she was great. She did all the fixing. But here was an example of unless you call and demand the fix and make the time to do it, there it doesn't get fixed. And this is probably part of the reason why a lot of people started taking advantage of this system and saying, uh, you know, hey, um, just call in and cancel the ride and say that something was wrong or the driver was wrong. And that's why people started doing this cancel five, $10 rides because they learned that if you just took the time, you could get things erased. Well, you know, me, I, this, if you were listening, um, this was a whole situation, um, nightmare. And, uh, you know, everything that was in this call was deserved. A lot of times some of these claims aren't deserved. So, but that's all for that. Um, okay, I'm going to move into Ron's piece here because, uh, well, because I'm going to try, I'm, I'm, we're going to play the thing and uh, I still will do Tremaine's piece that I found because it was really, it was really good. And, um, Tremaine and I had a good time on that call. Um, but Ron and I are going to walk you through um, some of the changes to taxes. And I know people, I know a lot of you put it off um, till the very last minute, till the, a month before or whatever. But again, you know, it's not like you're going to need to file it this way right out of the gate for next year or for this year's taxes. But starting at the beginning of next year, you might want to develop some strategies and, you know, make sure that make sure you go back and check your old taxes if you do all gig work or over 20,000 worth of gig work a year. Make sure you go back and check your taxes and make sure that. Um, you're doing them right, you know, make sh- because here in the future, it's going to matter because they're going to be sending you different forms and it's going to look like you earned more money than you did. And you, and the big part of that is you need to question this, especially when it comes to Uber, because sometimes there's a little math you need to do. Otherwise it's kind of tricky the way that the new way will be laid out. So let's see if what Ron and I can get out to you guys. And, uh, yeah, next, next week, uh, folks, Vina Dubal, and the week after, Hannibal is hungry, and then the week after, um, some curry drivers from different markets, and I are going to talk about routes and hotshots and what they think of the platform, and we're going to discuss. So uh, stay tuned, and lots of great guests coming up in the next few months, so um, stay tuned for notices on those as well. But uh, for now, let's let's move into Ron. So this week, I'm happy to have Ron back on the podcast. Ron is uh, at Courier or uh, EntreeCourier.com or at Courier, EntreeCourier on social media. And he's been on the podcast before and I've been on his. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about some gig worker taxes. And Ron, it's uh, nice to have you back. And it's good to be back again. I always enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So 
Um, this is, I know that this, you and I were talking right before we started recording that this is a pretty loaded subject. Um, I know in the past, even like every year around tax time, and especially as it comes up to the D day, that gig workers are always scrambling. They're looking for, and and they're putting out things on social media. What, what can I do? What can I claim? What can I, I notice it on my website. You probably notice it on yours that a lot of tax stuff gets pulled to, and it ends up in your, your, you know, most pulled articles, even if they're from years past. Yep. You know, I mean, that just during tax time that's happening. And I know that they're looking at the deductions and whatnot, but you, you really have to keep up with those, even though we, I keep them up on the website and Ron has stuff on his too. You have to um, update this stuff. And I think that now this is kind of a perfect year to talk about that too, because um, the way that taxes are going to be handled for independent contractors and uh, especially at based on demand gig workers, things are going to change a bit. And uh, Ron, can you walk us through that a little bit? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. The big change is it's actually not on how taxes are done or what taxes you have to pay. Nothing has really changed on that. But um, the big change that came was when they passed the last stimulus. Um, I think it was the American Rescue Plan. And there was like a little 45-word section in there that they put into that. I have no idea how that got snuck in there or how it related to stimulus, but you know, it was just something somebody had to get that in there that said that uh, for 1099Ks now, um, they have to start reporting that income at $600 instead of at $20,000. And so what that means is that a lot of people that were not getting their income reported on a 1099 in the past are all of a sudden going to have to face doing that. And the side that really got impacted by this the most would be with Uber and Lyft. And with Uber, you know, by extension, also Uber Eats, because those two use that 1099K, um, whereas, you know, DoorDash and, you know, Postmates, when they were Postmates, Grubhub, all use that 1099NEC, which was already reporting your income if you made $600 or more. But Uber and Lyft have a totally different approach to all of this. And, and the thing, you know, a lot of people are probably kind of confused. Why do you have a 1099 NEC? And how is that different than a 1099K? And that's, you know, creates all sorts of confusion. And the way that Uber and Lyft do this, they're going to create a lot more confusion because you're going to get a lot of people that are actually going to get two 1099 forms from those companies. And those two are going to add up to more money than what they received because the way that they report income and what they call income and things like that are just, you know, they're going to create, I think they always do, but usually they create problems for people that are full-time that are doing more than $20,000 worth of fares and rides and tips and things like that. And, uh, you know, anybody that's made less than that, you know, they're actually not getting 1099s for a lot of the money that they made. And so this year, everything is going to change because of this change in the 1099K. Out, do you think outside of the gig economy too? Or is this just going to hit the app-based well, gig economy where they report oddly like they do? 
Uh, it's it's going to hit anybody that is getting paid through payment processors. And that would be like if you sell on eBay or on Etsy. Um, if you, you know, um, even if you provide services and you get paid by credit card mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe your services, let's say, uh, um, oh gosh, let's say you, I used to be in telecoms, you know, so maybe you contract out to help somebody out with, uh, with some, um, with handiwork here and there, and they pay you by PayPal or they pay you by a uh, credit card. And, you know, it's, it wasn't a full-time gig, but you never had a 1099 come in. So none of that money was ever reported to the IRS. Now you're still supposed to report that income, whether you got a 1099 or not, you know, uh, but you know, the difference now is that the government knows. And that's, that's what the difference is between this 1099K and the 1099NEC, which kind of morphed from what was the 1099MISC. It's <laughs> just all these different 1099s. And the you know, government just likes to cre- confuse the heck out of all of us. But um, you know, in the last year or so, they switched to the, what's called a 1099NEC for gig work um, for, you know, like if, if the company is contracting with you directly and they're paying you directly, they, any money that they pay you directly, they have to report on uh, nowadays what's called a 1099-NEC, which is non-employee compensation. The other side of it is, and if you were getting paid, you know, for your services or different things like that through a payment processor, that money is reported by a 1099K. Mm-hmm. And, and here's where the confusion comes in is that, you know, with Uber and Lyft, you're doing all this stuff that you would think was part of just them paying you, but they're reporting it on a 1099K instead of a 1099NEC. And the reason for that is that they're trying to make it look like you're being paid directly by the customer because they're calling themselves the payment processor. They're saying they're the intermediary, that it is just the customer paying you directly. And so they're reporting it now. And so, which is, you know, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors to that. It all ties in with this whole independent contractor thing, you know, that uh, what they want to do is make it look like they're not contracting with you directly. They're just trying to tie, connect you with the drive, with the, passengers. And so that's why they use this uh, 1099K. Well, the problem is now is, and it's all part of the smoke and mirrors is that, you know, let's say you had $10,000 worth of trips and Uber and Lyft are going to say that you maybe got 13 or $14,000. That's what they're going to report, even though they only paid you like 10. And because what it is, is they're saying, okay, you got paid the whole fare from the customer and now $4,000 is their commission, you know? And so you've got to watch all this stuff very carefully with these guys because their 1099 that they're going to send you says you made more money than what you really made, but you can write off that other thing as a business expense and so in the end, if you're paying attention, if you're doing it right, um, 
the amount that you're paying taxes on is the amount that you should be paying taxes on. But I think the problem is most people don't realize that, you know, they're, they're just going to see that 1099. It's like, did I really make that much money? You did not make that much money, but that's what they're reporting. But you got to pay attention. Usually, I, I don't know Lyft because I don't know their back end or anything like that, what things look like. But I do know like with um, Uber, you log in and you go to your tax documents and they'll have a tax document that gives you a report of not only how much money they say that you made, but how much they also say are, you know, um, saying that we're uh, the commission, you know, 15, 25, 30%, whatever. And so you've got to kind of pay attention to all that. And it's just, I'm, I'm so scared of being confusing in the way I'm saying it because it just, is confusing the way they're doing it. And I think it's been confusing the way that they handle it in the past. Oh, sure. Sure. It's a lot <clears throat> easier for people that are on DoorDash or Grubhub because it's like they paid you, they paid you $5,000. They report mm-hmm. $5,000. Right. But I With, see, I see that. It's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you probably see it the same way I do that. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be done on Uber. If it's a referral fee or whatever, get all that sure. together because breaking that apart i mean like people people already have a lot of trouble with taxes i mean i'm not a tax expert you know i've right. i go through mine multiple times and i'm like what did i do wrong here what's i mean it takes me a while to get that that straight yeah. so i mean like to to make it more difficult when i know that there's a way for them not to i i almost feel like because like what you were saying like because you know to beat ab5 they had to call themselves a technology company that right. ended now they're they said we're an SAAS. They're, we're a service as a software company, which is what you were saying, credit card processor, middleman. And so now they're going to use that for the tax season and they'll go back to technology. I mean, it's, it's crazy because they really are only an SAAS. They should have always just dubbed it that. I mean, they're not a transportation company. They're not a technology company. Um, and if they just did it that way, then like what we were talking about before the podcast, like with, um, uh, you know, Apple pay or Stripe or any of those, you know, they're very straightforward. Here's, here's what we took, yeah. you know? And- well, and I think that's kind of part of the problem is, and, and some of it has to do with just this whole thing about whether they should be using independent contractors or whether they should be using employees, and, you know, this, this whole thing of using the 1099K, uh, they've been doing that since, you know, before AB5 was a twinkle in Vina DeBal's eye, you know, right. that it was, uh, that it's been around for a while because there are all the other tests out there as far as what is an employee relationship and what is not. Um, with the IRS test, it has to do with like financial, con- it, it's all about control you know, and financial control is one of those things. And it's like how you're being paid and the ways that you're being paid. And so way back early on at Uber and Lyft, they figured out that it was like, okay, but if all we are doing is connecting people, then, then it really is a, a matter of the drivers are running their own business and all that stuff. You know, unfortunately, there are too many other things that are not, you know, you don't, you don't own that relationship with the, with the passenger. Um, you know, it's, it's not that they connected you with the passenger so that there's an independent relationship with them. Mm -hmm. 
the passenger still pays Uber and Uber pays you. And, and the reality is that what Uber pays you is based on, I don't know hundred percent sure if this is true in rideshare because I don't do it in rideshare, but I know for the longest time, you know, how they calculated the pay for drivers was different than how they calculated the driver fees or the passenger's fees. You know, so it wasn't that it's a straight 30%, you mm-hmm. know, you know, the passenger's going to pay $20. And so you get $14 because that's 70% of that $20. You know, they, they may have done that at one time, but they haven't been. And that's why it's all, you know, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And, and to me, I think it's kind of a fraudulent use of the 1099 K because the reality is, is that Uber is still the ones paying us. Lyft is still the ones paying us. And I know for sure that on delivery, um, what the customer pays on delivery has nothing at all to do with what we get paid for delivery. Right. Um, our pay for delivery is still calculated based on miles on time and, and of course, you know, a pickup and drop off, they don't make that public anymore as far as what the formula is, but you know, it's, it's still paid based on something totally different. So that's part of the problem is that it's, it's not a legitimate use of that type of reporting because Uber still controls the process. They have the relationship with the customer. We don't have that relationship with the customer, all those different things. So it really isn't a true um, connecting us with the customer type of thing. Right. Because the customer isn't, isn't giving you the independent contractor. Hey, here's my, here's my price. Do you accept it? Exactly. Yeah. It's Uber making prices and, and reallocating them or making them dynamically more when they're not. Yeah to place these people with riders, but it's like throwing darts. You know, I mean, there's no real, you're not actually picking anybody. Yeah. And when you look at any particular trip, you can drill down now into what, you know, they're starting to make it available. That it's like, you can look at that and say, okay, this is how much the customer paid. And, and there's no consistency, you know, Mm -hmm. at one time, maybe you get, you actually made more than what the customer paid. And then another delivery, you made maybe 25% because, and, and, and so it's just, it's weird, but you know, all of this is done to make it look like, you know, that you're, that there really is that, that type of relationship, you know? So if I sold, you know, if I sold some stuff on eBay, you know, for a long time, I used to, you know, buy and, and resell, you know, fix up, flip uh, bikes and things like that. And I'd sell it on eBay. And so you know, I'd sell it on eBay and eBay gets a 10% cut and PayPal gets like 3% out of that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, once my earnings go over $20,000 that I get paid through PayPal, then PayPal sends me a report that says, or well, sends the IRS a report that said, Hey, this guy received $20,000 from us. And that's mm-hmm. the 1099 K. Right. And so, you know, that in, in that situation though, you know, I'm, I'm the one actually doing it and the cut that is taken out is based on what I'm paid. You know, Uber is trying to make it look like that's the relationship they have with drivers when they use that 1099 K. So do you think that part of 
like what you were talking about with, you know, Uber's reporting and making it more difficult. And clearly, I, at least me, I believe that Uber does that, all that kind of stuff, not that they do it on on purpose. They make things even harder because they're just trying to mess around the books. Do you think that part of that's because Uber's now worldwide? Um, they're a they're a technology company that's a SaaS company that can't be defined, and there's no real definition for the gig economy. I know AB five's out there, and Mass one two three four, and uh, the Pro Act is being looked at, but really there's not a here's how we look at the gig economy for the old way of determining if somebody is an independent contractor, the IRS test. Mm -hmm. So coming up with that ABC test, even though the B prong doesn't work, do you think it's just Uber screwing around thinking they're never going to audit us? We're such a, I mean, how would you, how would you audit this system? That's all analytics. It's all up in cyberspace. Mm -hmm. They're around the globe. They've been in a hundred technologies, 99 they failed at. Yeah, I don't know. You know, that's that's the thing that I've always wondered. It's kind of like, you know, with them playing that game like that, it's like nobody's ever thought, I don't know what, you know, nobody's ever really dug into that. Like, like honestly, things. like even the drivers that have only worked a day and quit, they still show up in the database. Like if the if the IRS yep. took on the task of, okay, fine, let's take on Uber. Wouldn't that take up, and I'm I'm over-exaggerating, but wouldn't that take up like half of the American IRS team to go oh, through yeah. that kind of data? It would. I mean, one thing that I will say for Uber Eats, though, uh, for Uber and Uber Eats, you know, for Uber as a company, is that their data is all right there. And, mm -hmm. and their data is accurate. You know, I can go back. And I can pull up my earnings and I can pull up every single trip that I've done for four years. Right. And I can see how much I was very time consuming. Much, yeah, it would be very time consuming, <laughs> but you could take that, you could write something that could go through and sort through that data or something like that. And our you know, has things like that. that can do that too. They can pull it off right. for you, but that's right. one individual. Now we've had Kabillion individuals yeah. on the uber platform most you know and they and and they keep all those accounts active sure so sure. if you if you drove for them in 2015 and didn't call and close your account you're still active you're still active yep so you know, it's just I, I would just imagine over the years they've looked at this like go ahead take that on yeah but all they'd have to do really is take a look and they could go through and they could sort through um Probably, you know, they could write up a, a program that would just say, um, you know, that it could just pull all their data from every trip that they've they've done, and then they could look at the payouts that they sent out to drivers based on that, and what the percentage of, you know, what what everything was, and how much it fluctuated, and that right there would tell you, you know, it wouldn't take much for them to be able to say, yeah, this is not consistent. Right. And, and, um, and because that data is there, um, I wish the other companies were as good as Uber in that regard. And again, I don't know Lyft because I've never driven for Lyft, but well, I do I'm, know that you Lyft, know, for, is, Lyft is I'm, my interpretation of what we're talking about is that they're going to be yeah. the exact same way. 
However, sure. Lyft's always been very timely and they get it out. Boom. Yeah. I feel like with Uber, it's always screwing around. It's always, if I have a yeah. question on either of them, my Lyft ones have always been a lot cleaner. Sure. <laughs> okay. You know, and I get, cause what I could, and, and the reason that I bring that up is, you know, I come from the delivery side. And that's why, you know, half the time I'm saying Uber Eats instead of saying Uber, because that's, that's the side that I've worked with. Right. But, you know, what I could tell you is that I cannot go into Grubhub or into DoorDash and pull up my records, you know, going back. Right. I have to get all that information from my bank account records or, um, you know, with Grubhub, at least I could pull, you know, I've still got all my emails because they send out an email every week with DoorDash. You can't go back and see how much you made. You can't go back and look at any of that stuff unless you use a third-party app, unless you use Argyle or unless you use Para because, you know, Para pulls out that information. Uh, Probably the biggest thing out of this is treat this like a business. And, uh, you know, and keep records. And I think that's the thing that'll keep you out of trouble the most. But then the second thing that I would just say is, and then make sure you got somebody that really understands this tax stuff to help you out. Yeah. I was just going to add that to like, if a lot of, you know, obviously if you have an accountant, my guess is your accountant's going to say, let's talk about some things. But if you're using any of these online things, even I do it with mine. Sure. Um, but if, you know, pay that extra money, maybe this year, I, I, I hate to just, tell people to spend money, but, and I'm not advertising for any specific one, whatever you right. use. But if you're using some online software, mo- almost all the big ones have some kind of extra payment that isn't right. a ton where they'll check it. A real person goes over it. And yeah. I would think of all years, this might be a year to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and whether or not you get in like a CPA, and somebody, you know, locally, or whether you're using kind of that advanced service from somebody else, if you've got, you know, we just talked about a lot of things right now that, um, can be really confusing mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm scared to death that the way I said a lot of things just made it more confusing, <laughs> you know, but, but the whole point of this but is maybe that starts a conversation though, or at least gets your mind moving. It does. That's the point of the podcast today, I think is. And the whole thing you need is, to think about this. If you're confused at all, you got to have somebody help you through it. Yeah. You got to have somebody help you out that isn't because it's um, the money you spend will be some of the best money you could spend. And 99 times out of a hundred, I would be sure that it'll actually get you more back um, or reduce your bill by, you know, far more than what you spend, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's a good investment, but yeah. Um, you know, just the biggest thing is just be aware of all this stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, especially this year where some things could be changing in a big way, if you've been doing this for a few years. Right. Well, um, make sure to get us, uh, or get me those links so I can put them into the show notes. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you can find Ron at entrecourier.com. Um, I know on Twitter, what other socials? Uh, you know, Twitter's where I'm most active. Uh, Facebook, I've got a, a page that uh, I hardly do anything on. Um, Instagram, kind of the same thing. Pinterest, uh, on LinkedIn even. So. Mm-hmm. so, but all your links are on your webpage too. Yeah. So and it's all Entree Courier. 
right on, on tradecareer.com and then i know on twitter and the other ones you can probably just search them find them that way but his handle on twitter is at entree career yep. but uh thanks ron for coming on today and thanks for i'm sure you e- e- talking this through even if it confused people because that should be the wake-up call it if you be. got very confused today it should be a way it shouldn't have been like i don't want to deal with that because i think that's the same thing that people run into when april 1st comes around they're like i need to do my taxes yeah don't wait till april 1st <laughs> um you know what i mean it's but, better but, it's better but a lot of people do and scared now while we're still in the year than right. it is to uh all of a sudden kind of be at the end and it's like, Oh crap, what do I do now? Right. So, cause you got more time to get it sorted out. Right. All right, Ron. Well, thank you very much for coming on today and uh, we'll chat soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I hope I cut that right. And that, uh, it, that you got some pieces out of it again. Um, when I said that it would be a good year to hire um, somebody to look over your taxes or if you use an online service to have that service performed where they double check your work, I did mean this coming year. So I just mean that because it'd be a great year when you file 2021 taxes in 2022 before the April 15th deadline. Um, it would be a great year to pay for that extra service, see what that extra service does for you, see if they get you a correction that benefits you like Ron was saying 99% of the time um you know an accountant or things like that can find some glitches that usually help you don't hurt you um but you know it's a, it's a good year to do it because the year after if you're going to be in the gig economy and folks it is still growing crazy um you know especially with after this pandemic people are just not uh they got formed to being at home or being on their own schedule and going back to a cubicle or an office uh, just doesn't seem needed or uh, whatever reasons, flexible, all the things that they've become accustomed to over the 18 months that they had us, you know, at home um, on and off. And, the, you know, I mean, we had reprise here and there, but I think that that's almost part of that. So almost just because they knew that we were going crazy at home. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Uh we broke a lot of models. We broke a lot of mom and pop businesses during the pandemic. Um, it would be a really good idea to get a handle on the gig economy taxes, especially with all these bills floating around AB5, Prop 22, H1234, the coalition uh, for um, workers in Massachusetts, the PRO Act. There's too many unknowns out there and uh, just better to be safe than sorry, right? Um that interview that I did with Ron actually ran an hour and 20 minutes. So I will put that out um, in a couple weeks as a bonus podcast on a weekend or something um, as the full piece uh, and just label it taxes for you guys or whatever. Um, Ron and Steve, full episode taxes. Uh, because it is worth listening to um, if you want to catch a few tricks and whatnot and this and that. But for now, I'm going to leave it at the cut I did, and I'm going to put the links up that are from Ron's site because he's had some good articles he's done in the past. Um, So check those out in the show notes. And again, folks, hit up curry.com. Hit up the link, the referral link in the show notes. Make sure to sign up and uh, get on the platform, especially I was on uh, a, a couple podcasts last week, but I was on one specifically where the guy was saying that, you know, he was guessing that the Minnesota market is nothing like 
um, ours here in Denver. You know, I don't know. I would think that uh, um, the Twin Cities might be close to Denver. I mean, it it really doesn't take much to be a uh, to be a city that needs curry because it's construction and things of that nature. I mean, that's everywhere in the world. So um, sign up. And if, if you're thinking, you know, well, I don't think it's really my area yet, then especially sign up. Sign up and be one of the first ones who can do it because when they get a couple clients, routes will be offered. Hot shots will be offered. You want to be one of the people with that app on. So hit up my referral link in the show notes, sign up for Curry, come back every week, listen to the Rideshare Rodeo podcast. In a few weeks, we got the drivers coming up. Um, I do have a follow-up interview with the CEO founder, uh, Matt from Curry, and that will be in mid to late November. Um, We do have somebody from the Autonomous Division uh, of Waymo coming on in December, and uh, we have Vina Dubal, and my interview will be tomorrow, but it won't air until the following Monday. So next Monday, um, I'm guessing a lot of people will tune in and uh, we will try and get out the best information we can tomorrow that uh, hopefully is relative to both sides. Because again, it's not it's not controversy we're looking for. It's not, it's not to argue. It's to discuss and to try and see one another's point of view. Okay? It shouldn't change who you are, what you believe in, what you feel is right, and how you think things should be handled. But hopefully something gets exposed to everybody on both sides. I can't promise it will. Haven't done the interview yet. But um we'll see. And I, you know, I mean, I think I think that uh I, I I'm very hopeful that we're gonna have a few positive things come out of the interview. So make sure you listen. Um and uh again, uh have a you know, thanks for listening to the Rideshare Rodeo. Thanks for getting us up to seventy thousand views or downloads, I mean. Um, We are starting to get onto YouTube. This is kind of new for us, so uh, bear with us as I add things slowly. (laughs) Um, But uh, we are getting there, and we are starting to add things, so uh, that's a wrap, folks. That's a week. And uh, don't forget, Friday nights, TNC Radio Live, Jason Teary and I, and Rideshare Nation. Um, You can catch us from 4 to 6 Pacific, 5 to 7 Mountain, 6 to 8 Central, and 7 to 9 Eastern Time on tncradio.live. And it's a call-in show. So we're still building. Last week was the first week. It was fun. Um, we were still trying to find our feet a little bit. Um, but uh, make sure you check it out and make sure you call in. And uh, you can call in and talk to us about anything you want, questions, um, whatever you want. Uh, but yeah, check us out. And uh, we will be back here in a week. Now get out there, make some money, spin some good into this crazy world, and we will see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.